Welcome to Reinventing Nerds. Dr. Joni Cannell shares communication strategies for technical people. She shares her own stories of learning to communicate and brings in other nerds and experts to show you how to interact with people in a way that's comfortable for you. And now, here's your host, the uniquely qualified engineer turned psychologist, Dr. Joni Cannell. Hello, fellow nerds and other honorable guests and viewers. I've got a great show today. We've got Kevin Ellinger Wild, and I've invited him on the show because he really is a people expert and an expert in creativity as well. He works with technical people and people of all levels to bring out their creativity and innovation. He's a nationally award-winning creative entrepreneur, speaker, and innovation trainer who has worked with over 500 executives across the country. He's also the leading U.S. trainer for Thinkergy, whose innovation methods are used by some of the top companies in the world, including BMW, Mattel, Nestle, Greenpeace, and Deutsche Bank. Kevin is really passionate about the impact that innovation and creativity can have on the quality of life for ourselves and people around the world. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But first, let me just say welcome to Kevin. Welcome. Thanks. (laughs) I appreciate being on the show. It's kind of fun to be around all the nerds. This is great. Yeah, it's great. It's a lot. It's a good time. So yeah, yeah, thanks for being on board here. Um, One thing I just after your intro, I'm sure everyone's wondering, like, Wow, you've worked with a variety, a lot of executives. That's a lot of people. Um, and you've had to share your ideas with them. You know, what, what are some of the challenges that you have faced in working with all these executives? Well, I've had a really kind of a unique aspect. So throughout my career, I kind of started out in the, the corporate world, uh, say for the first 15 years, and then for the last 25 years, I've had being out from the outside world. But I still work with a lot of those same people. But even within the corporate world, you're still dealing with a lot of different people in different departments, you know, senior executives, the CFOs, the CEOs, mm-hmm. um, marketing departments, the sales departments, and they tend to be a little bit more on that, say, on the creative side. And then you're dealing with IT professionals who happen to be very system oriented. So you're dealing with a lot of different people who want information presented in different ways, and that can be a real kind of struggle to it. And so, but I've had that experience being able to do it. And again, while it can be really exciting in some ways, sometimes it can be really frustrating. And I think that's probably a lot of what your nerds have experienced too. Yes. Yes. So what are some of the frustrations that you've had? Yeah. So for instance, um, well, let me tell you a quick story. So here, just kind of show you a little contrast in style. So here I I was working on, I presented a way to improve the, systems within a, a print shop, you know, for their production system. So we presented it to the CEO, walked in, and within five minutes, he already gave his full approval. All he wanted was the high level details and he was all set and sure, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. And within a week, we had everything approved. Uh, all the systems were done and it actually improved, helped them reduce their staffing needs by 50% in that department. So again, highly successful. At, uh, again, a short time later, we presented a different project to a bank. Um, there we were dealing with the CEO, the CFO, but however, for them, they needed all the details. We went through six different meetings to get the project approved. Uh, they needed all the details, all the timelines, um, all the specs, and then even along the project, they wanted, you know, approvals at every little step. So you're dealing with somebody who is very high level, who just can make a quick decision and just wanted the high level information. 
and dealing with somebody totally different who needed all the details, all the specs, everything, things. So again, that can be a real kind of challenge to it. So again, as you and I had kind of talked a little bit ago, I started out my career being kind of more introverted and I've had to kind of learn of how to present to the same information basically to different audiences. And that um, can be a real challenge initially, but eventually you kind of learn some tools or some techniques that kind of work. Yeah, well, I'm curious, how do you know what your audience is? Yeah, sometimes it's based on maybe the, the, the skills, systems that they already have. Um, and sometimes it's based on just some key indicators. Again, when you start talking big picture, if their eyes kind of glass over, then they really want, <laughs> and they ask more details, they want, you know, then they're more of the systems oriented. Uh, if you present concepts that are two way out there, you know, that's not them. They want, you know, incremental change. Um, so one of the things that we've ended up doing is using a system we call, uh, probably one of the biggest tools we call tips. And it has everything to do basically with how people's styles are. You know, the styles they like to be presented to, the styles they like to be pitched to. Okay, tell us more about TIPS. Oh, okay, so, so, so TIPS basically is a profile system. And um, you and I were talking that both of us have taken Myers-Briggs. Okay, mm -hmm. so this, uh, according to a person who kind of took it and kind of shared his opinion with me, he said, this is almost like Myers-Briggs on steroids. So mm -hmm. the idea of TIPS basically is that, first of all, it comes from the, the there's different aspects to it. There's what they call bases, and then there's styles, and then it comes down to profiles. So a quick overview is that there's four bases, such as uh, theories, people really like the high concept kind of uh, research and aspects to that. There's people who like ideas, you know, very idea-driven. There's people who really like the relationship aspect of things, you know, the emotional um, intelligence aspect, those kind of partners. And then there's people who really like systems. So those are the basic aspects that almost a lot of people can kind of fall into one of those kind of four areas. And then they layer that with a thing called styles. And um, so the styles are, you know, styles are preference to the way we think, the way we work, the way we interact, and the way we live. And then based out of that, they create a, a profile and it kicks out one of 11 different profiles. And as we kind of go through tips, we kind of have a general idea then of how people like to be presented kind of things. And that's uh, kind of a, a big overview of what tips is. And I can go into a little more detail, especially of the styles and, and discuss that too. Well, one thing I will say is that nerds, and I, at least I'm a nerd and I, I love tools. I mean, tools make it so much easier. You can just sort of figure it out, put it in the box, it meaning the person, right? <laughs> Putting the person right, right, right. in there. Uh, so you have some way of knowing what to prepare for if you have the time to do that or how to move in the moment, I think is what some of what you're saying. Like with these executives, you'd have to um, maybe be, have, be able to, once you get some experience, be able to assess that without the instrument. Is that kind of where you got to at, at the point where you're at now? Yeah, because I think, you know, a lot of us kind of start out when we think that, well, everybody else just thinks like I do. So if we're right. a nerd, we think very systematized sometimes, you know, let, let's put that into, a, say, a box. We think very systematized. We like incremental change. We like, you know, things kind of the status quo and all that. And we just mm -hmm. assume everybody else thinks the same way. And if they don't, we think, well, there's something wrong with them. Well, like a lot of these different assessments kind of do is they kind of show us that there's a, actually a lot of different ways people view the world that are radically different than us. So what this does is give us an awareness of, how how all that works in a big picture and to do that. So for instance, um, 
So one of the aspects with uh, tips is that they go through what they call four different styles. And one of them is called a thinking style. So there's the people who are very figure oriented, um, meaning that they're analytical thinkers, very logical. They like uh, a lot of quantitative, like the numbers and equations. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other people who are very fantasy oriented. And so they're creative thinkers and imaginative. Uh, they really like words and visuals to it. So again, dramatically different. And there's some people who might be in between. So here, just from a thinking style standpoint, you got the figure and the fantasy. And so a lot of systems people happen to be a figure. A lot of uh, entrepreneurs or the, say, marketing departments happen to be in the fantasy world. So it kind of can create some kind of conflicts to there. But then there's also the way we work. So some people are very brain-oriented, where they like to, the, the big picture kind of thinking, um, very conceptual kind of work and very strategic. And then there's people who are what we call brawn. Um, the very very practical work kind of the day-to-day -day stuff and they like that and they really enjoy that aspect of it um, But again, if you're dealing with a brain person versus a brown person There's that different way of communicating that they might not know and then the, yeah. go ahead And then the last well the last two then are the interaction style uh, One is uh, they're very fact-oriented or the feeling oriented um, So again fact is all about they want all the details and the feeling is very emotionally um, adapt and then, of course, lifestyles that some people are very structured, really like that. Um, like if they plan a vacation. So like last time you planned a vacation, you probably had, again, from a nerd standpoint, sometimes you really have everything booked. You know kind of where you're going to stay. You've got all your clothes picked out for every single day of the trip. And there's other people who won't pack until an hour before they leave, and they'll throw stuff in the suitcase and just take off. And so it's the idea of being um, from a form standpoint to a flow standpoint. Wow. So you've got all these people jumbled in together on a team and you're trying to interact with each other. Uh, so in addition to just presenting to the executives where we started, but now we're actually working in a team. I'm just picturing like uh, the different people that I've worked with and that can be frustrating trying to figure out, you know, you're trying to get organized to either, you know, pack for your trip or you know, get all the documents right. you need together for the presentation and the other person's like, oh, I'll just wing it. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how do you make it so that people aren't at each other's throats? I mean, what, what do you do? You know, that is one of the biggest challenges. And I think it really comes down to management at that point. How do you put together teams that can function at a high level? Mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't, then you could run into this a lot where, the one person who might be very detail oriented is doing everything is saying, well, this person isn't doing anything. And they get very frustrated at that because they realize that, well, there's just no value to them. They're not helping out the team or anything else. And then the other person is thinking, well, I've got all these great ideas, but this person keeps on shooting them down before we even get started. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that creates a lot of conflict. So, uh, so managers who deal with, you know, conflict and everything else, one of the things they realize with this tool is that, Okay, well, in general, um, again, there's different levels of conflict. So, for instance, if I'm dealing with a brain and a brawn person, you know, the big picture to the small task person, chances of conflict are going to be about 25%. Um, if I deal with people who are already in the same, like they're all systems oriented, you know, there really isn't any conflict as we get along. However, if we deal with people who have differences of working style in, in the brain area, that they have different set, one maybe factor feeling, and they also happen to have differences in being form or flow. And now you've got major conflict because they have differences across everything. They're just not even close to being alike. Mm. And so that can be from the CEO who might be the very 
and I'm sure a lot of people have dealt with this, where the CEO comes in because he's got the latest idea this week. Yeah. <laughs> His great, great brainstorm, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he deals it, passes down to the systems people who just go ahead and implement it. And he's not giving you a lot of details. And as a systems person, you know that next week he's going to come up with another great idea. Because all he's doing is just feeding the ideas. But for you, you have to implement them, and they keep changing, and that's frustrating as heck. And so that's what creates a lot of conflict. Um, so the idea of tools like this is to understand where everybody can help, where everybody can work, and then what's the best way to put together teams. So for instance, let, let's talk about if we're putting together a project team uh, where we want to come up with ideas, um, well, then maybe we have a lot of the big picture thinkers and we have somebody who's maybe in the middle who can take notes because the big picture people aren't going to take notes. So we don't want that. And then if we're doing something that's very systems oriented, we might not want a lot of these other kind of people because they're not going to contribute much and they're going to be so scattered. They're going to distract us from what we want to do. So the more you understand people's styles, the better you can kind of create teams and be far more effective in, in okay. what you're doing. So that makes sense. So you can even figure out who to invite into the room, depending right. on what you're doing. Even if you have a larger team, because you want the diversity. Everyone says we need diverse teams uh, in personality, as well as all sorts of different uh, measures there. But to get the juices flowing and to challenge each other and all that, but there's a time and a place. You know, I mean, if you need to get something yeah. out the door, you don't want all that chaos. If you just want to do the brainstorming is when you might want some more of that. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about innovation styles. Okay, and, good. So, so that's one of the things that kind of ties into this. And then we'll kind of go back to the idea of how to present them. But so the idea of innovation styles is very much the same. So there, there's some, some people based on their profile who uh, we, either they're very innovative as far as how their approach is or they're adaptive. And so innovative people would like, um, or say adaptive people, if you had to invent a new chair, you'd look at small incremental changes. Mm -hmm. So maybe we add wheels to it, we add arms to it. Um, maybe we figure out you know, different aspects of the material that would be made out of. Mm -hmm. Whereas the innovative person might think of, well, do we need a chair at all? Can we just have a ball? Do we have a desk that raises <laughs> up and down? You know, do we need it? Mm -hmm. And so they're totally radically different. And so we have right. the innovative thinker, we have the adaptive, who just like incremental change. And then we have the people who like to work either by themselves or they like to work in team. So if I were to give you a, a challenge um, based on your profile, if I were to give you a challenge, you'd probably feel comfortable either working by yourself or with a team. There's some people, um, you know, such as some of these theorists who prefer to work just by themselves. You know, give me an idea. Let me go back to my desk. I'll run out a bunch of ideas and then I'll come back. And then the people oriented kind of things, they hate working by themselves. Again, you give them an idea, they love to brainstorm together. They just want to have a big party and enjoy it. That way. <laughs> yeah. So, right. So, again, so it comes down to that innovation style. So then when you're putting together a team based on mm -hmm. what your goal is, if you're looking for an incremental change, then having more of the incremental people is ideal for that. Um, if you're looking for some radical change, well, then you want more of the other people because let's say you're looking for a radical change and you invite all the high concept people. Well, if you bring in some of the people who only want incremental change, Anytime they hear a radical, wild idea, they're going to want to shoot it down because right. for them, it's a waste of time and everything else. And that can be a killer to ideas. So it can kind of sabotage the whole creative process before it even gets started. So people are really effective uh, in being able to manage you know, innovative teams or even you know, work teams, have a better understanding of work styles and innovation styles, and then how to make those really work. 
and that's really kind of the key to it. Oh man, I, you know, I'm sort of chuckling over here to myself because you told me I'm the ideas person, right? That's what it came out and, and the tips. Right. And, and I'm going, I have all these ideas about <laughs> how, how we would do this because, you know, you would want to have certain groups, people doing the brainstorming one way and other people doing it another way. You want to have a room full of people who want to be together. You want to have maybe an email string for people who don't, you know, and uh, maybe different times. So I'm going, wow. And I'm like, wow, that's exactly what he just said. You know, you can sort of see how it works with yourself. Um, but one of the things you, you said to me when you went through my, my profile is that I tend to not be as, as extreme on any one. I'm kind of in the middle. So where does that flexibility come into play? And, and how do you get, I mean, I think a lot of people, um, one of their concerns is being pigeonholed. Like, I don't want to be only seen as such and such. Right. How do you deal with those people or just the ability to flex? Well, the idea is that obviously we all have uh, strengths and weaknesses and there's certain areas that we really kind of excel at. And so it's not a matter of just say pigeonholing it. It's just, if we kind of look at everything, let's say from a, a business cycle, and this is probably, the best way to show that we all have value in everything that we do. But so a lot of initial business concepts are kind of developed by uh, researchers, you know, the people at universities and everything else that kind of do the research. So those are the theorists. And so they develop that, but then an entrepreneur, somebody who's maybe an innovator, an idea person sees that basic research and decides, Hey, I can make a company out of that. So once they do that, well, then we get into the business cycle aspect. So they start the business, um, they start to hire salespeople, motors to kind of do it, and then we need people to fulfill the orders. So they have a concept, now we got the people kind of going, you know, they're purchasing it, they're doing that. And then, okay, now we need to get organized. So now we get more into the systems area. Okay, now we're getting into, we need to be more organized, make sure everybody's on time. Uh, then we need to make sure that we get every single dollar profit out of this system as possible. That's really where the systems come in. So you've got this radical wild idea that's now formed into this full company that's very systems oriented. So unfortunately, that's where a lot of companies struggle is that they get to that point and then they, they can't figure out how to get back up to creating the next product, creating the next right. market, all those kind of things. And right. part of the challenge is because, because, Innovation is messy and it's chaotic and it's, as you kind of mentioned before, you can kind of waste a lot of time and energy because of all that chaos and we don't necessarily want that. We want systems, which we know everything's orderly and that's not always the way creativity and innovation work. You know, there's failure, which costs money. There's uh, trial and error and all of those kind of things that can be really frustrating. And so the most successful companies are the ones that have figured out that, okay, so we're gonna go all the way down there, we're gonna systematize as best we can, and now we're going to put maybe a separate team of people or we're going to realize that we're going to keep going with what we're doing really well, but we're going to branch off and we're going to start a new market. We're going to create a new product. So Apple, for instance. So Stephen Jobs is really good about creating that, but then he reinvented with iTunes or the iPhone and all of those kind of things. Um, so they figured out how to do that. Compare that to BlackBerry. So BlackBerry got really good at being a very systematized, but they've had a hard time figuring out how to reinvent themselves. So what companies have struggled with, if they can't do that, is basically then they'll buy another company. So they'll merge and they'll buy it up and they'll systematize it and optimize it because that's what they do well. Mm -hmm. But the nice part when it comes to nerds and everybody else is that if you see this from a business cycle, if you see where everybody plays, we all have a role. So all the idea people have a valuable role, all the 
the partners, the you know the people-oriented people have a valuable role within the company. Um, the systematizers, you know, to make sure we get all the, every dollar profit and make sure we're organized, have a highly valuable role within it. Um, so it just kind of shows that we all play a critical role within any company at every stage, and it's just a matter of where that is and having that balance to it. So going back to your original question, okay, so you basically have skills in a lot of the different areas. You just happen to lean a little bit more to the ideas. So you can really have a good aspect to be able to communicate well with the systematizers, with the theorists, with the people, because you're very well balanced. Uh, compare that to mine, where I was very heavy on the, say, the idea aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, dealing with a lot of details is far more of a struggle. So for me, it works out best to have a team or somebody else I can communicate that might be more balanced to communicate with those kind of aspects. If I have to deal with the bank for a loan or some of those kind of things, it's it's painful. If I have to deal with the accountant, it's just a lot of numbers. It's, it's painful. Uh, and again, for some people, it's just, no, oh, I love numbers. Well, I, I hate numbers, you know, again, but, <laughs> but if you needed me to problem solve something, I could problem solve. And, mm -hmm. and we all problem solve a little differently. And, and that's part of obviously what your audience does too. You guys still problem solve and that's part of the challenge. Yeah. You know, you bring up a huge point here and that is don't be afraid to ask for help, right? I mean, if you, you can't be everything all the time, right? So build out your team or get complimentary people in there to help you out in the things that you're not excelling at or that you're just not interested in. You know, if you hate numbers, how good are you going to ever be at them because you're just not going to want to spend the time, right? So, right. Well, that kind of goes back to, okay, so while I might hate the fact that of dealing with numbers or hate accountants or not quite understand accountants, <laughs> I value them because they do the work right. that I hate doing and they right. do the work that I, I struggle doing. And for them, it comes mm -hmm. easy. And for them, they value the fact that I can solve some of the issues that they might have been struggling with because they're not thinking the same way I can. And mm -hmm. so for me, it comes really easy to, to do some of those. So there is kind of a balance if you can have a balanced team um, right. or at least bring in one or two players who can help buffer that area to it. Right. And then figure out how to actually talk to each other and value each other, like you said, so that when you do have these conflicting interests, like somebody just wants to jump in full speed and the other person says, wait, we've got, you know, the, uh, the FDA or whoever it is, you know, is right, going to have right. some regulations here. You're like, what rules, you know? And so you've got to have that uh, ability to value that and appreciate each other as well. And it sounds to me like your tips really helps with that. Well, it does. And for instance, if you're putting together a true, say, an innovation kind of team, well, that would involve, you know, a lot of the, say, the innovators and the, the people-oriented people from the idea concept kind of aspect of it, and probably not so much the systems, because the systems, again, they just want incremental change, so they might shoot down a lot of the ideas and feel uncomfortable within that setting. However, where they play a critical role is when you go to evaluating those ideas, Okay, so now now shoot the holes in it. Tell us what's wrong with it. Tell us what we didn't see. And they're very good at being able to find those kind of things. Like you said, we need the FDA approval. We need this kind of thing. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Okay, well, now that's really kind of what it's, it's critical for. Um, so the biggest challenge that a lot of, say, nerds have sometimes is just getting out of the box or pushing themselves out of the box mm -hmm. to come up with some of these, you know, the ideas. And because they're only kind of looking for the smaller change. And so either, you know, learning techniques to be able to kind of push themselves a little further or teaming up with somebody who has those skills is kind of the nice way of kind of developing a team for that. 
Well, we don't have a lot of time, but if you have like one or two things that you could just give us tips to be more creative or come up with those ideas, what would they be? Sure. So there's probably, I would say, you know, there's five traits of creative people that, you know, research has been done that kind of show that these are some of the key things that people do that can really make a difference. So one of the traits is that innovative people or creative people typically have a, and a more adventurous mindset. They're, they're like to explore. They like to kind of go out. Um, there was a study done of, uh, within a university of a group of students, and they found out that the ones who had more of an adventurous mindset, like that we're willing to try some different things and really kind of go out there, they came up with over 80% more ideas than the ones that didn't. And so really it just kind of shows by sometimes just changing that idea of it. And sometimes it can just be, you know, driving a different way home, listening to a different radio station, you know, even just having that simple kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, going on road trips, just to kind of see where a road grows. You know, and then let Siri bring you home. Yeah, it's those kind of things that if you're willing to try some different things, uh, again, it kind of opens up the idea to that aspect. Uh, the other is, a, a second one is they have discontent with the status quo. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not always just, we, we should do it this way because it's always been done. Um, like when I went into that print shop and I helped them kind of create a new process, it was actually a very fundamental and simple change, but they had been running in the same old system for three years and hadn't really thought of anything different. Um, so just because something is done the way it has been done for years and years doesn't mean it's right. So I use a technique I call zero-based thinking. And so the idea is that if you were to start from scratch today and you were to invent this all again, is this the way you do it? Would you do it in exactly the same way? Right. And as soon as you think, well, no, obviously we wouldn't do it this way, this way. Okay, well then maybe there's a better way of doing that. Um, and then the third one is obviously being open to change. Um, change can be really tough for a lot of people. You know, again, it, it happens so much yeah. now with all the world around us, but it can be painful for a lot of people to go through change. And some of it's forced on us, um, either work life, work situations or life situations. Mm -hmm. And we have to go through it and we can really struggle with that. But the more you're open to change, the more you're open to doing different things, the more you're open to new ideas of how things can be done. Um, well, so wait, you know, one of the things that I'm hearing here is that like take a vacation and go do something different, <laughs> yeah. take a road trip. Yeah. Yeah, the box, even if you can't do that, yeah, even just the simple things, whatever, try a new restaurant, just just to get the the juice is flowing there and being open and uh seeing what that does for you and realizing yeah. that maybe when you go to work and you, or whatever it is that you're working on you know your phone or whatever you're saying yeah i don't like it the way this is suddenly that'll spark something well how would i do it differently so, right yeah, yeah. These are you know, it, yeah. it comes down to really um just the idea of being willing to try something different and being just open in general um <laughs> Because it's not, again, we kind of fall into our ruts. Um, yes. And and this kind of goes back a little bit to, you know, I'll just share a quick thing. But basically, we're all born 100% creative. We're all amazingly brilliant when we're born. Huh. But then we kind of get into, we get very conformed. So the first thing we hear is our parents saying no. We hear no like 10 <laughs> times more than we hear yes. So, okay, so no, 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 no. Okay. Um, and... Then we get into school and we hear, okay, so the sky is always blue and the grass is always green. So, okay, we start to conform that way. So we're really kind of schooling. Then we get into high school. We start taking these multiple choice tests. We realize, oh, there's only one right answer. 
So as soon as you find the right answer, we start searching for more. Right. So now we're very conceptualized. So now we get to the end of high school or probably down to ready to like 10% or, or 20% of our creativity. And then we get into the work world where now we really have to conform and we don't want to rock the boat. We're afraid of all these things, afraid of getting fired. Um, so that by the time we get to the age of 40, we have a basically about 2% of that original creativity. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you imagine, you know, again, so that's why, you know, for, for CEOs, they did a, a research study of mm -hmm. these CEOs from Fortune 500 companies. And they basically said, what character trait do you desire most in employees? And creativity was valued more highly than right. intelligence just because yeah. again, it's, it's so rare. Yeah because it's so hard for people to think outside of the box or not conform or be so afraid of failure that they're willing to do that. And yet, so a lot of companies desire that, but they don't necessarily create environments that are conducive for a lot of them. Mm, that'll be like part two of our segment. Right. If we get to it, I'll invite you back to hear how to do that. Cause yeah, that's big. Yeah, it is. So. But yeah, well, I love what you're saying. You know what? I, before we run out of time, I want to, I know you have a great offer for our listeners and viewers uh, to use your tips uh, instrument here. So can you tell us about that? Yeah. So again, so, so tips is an amazing profile system and it's the only one really out there designed to, for both business and innovation. And it's, it's a pretty remarkable. And right now, again, it's just launching and it's online version of it. Mm -hmm. And so if they go to, www.wildspark.com, uh, wild is W-I-L-D-E, spark.com slash reinventing nerds. Then you're going to find, again, uh, a whole section where they can kind of just uh, be able to, you know, fill out their name and they'll be able to download a free preview or overview of all the different tips profiles. And again, I mentioned there's 11 of them. And um, those are the theorist, the coach, the conceptualizer, the ideator, the technocrat, the all-rounder. Mm -hmm. uh, promoter, systematizer, experimenter, organizer, and a partner, and figure out which one is really kind of fit for them. But as a special offer to uh, your audience, for the first 20 who do that, I'll give them a full tips assessment. And again, so that's 36 pages, the same one that you kind of took. Again, a lot of valuable information in it um, that they can kind of really get out. And so again, so that'll be free to those, uh, the first 20 who do that. Oh, that is awesome. I recommend it. I had a blast doing it. And it's very informative, as you've heard from this whole uh, podcast slash video cast right. that we've been doing on that, that the value is, I mean, even more than what we've had. So uh, yeah, a nice freebie there. Um, the first 20 rush on right. over. Yeah. To, and I'll have that on the show notes page so that, Excellent. Uh, yeah, so that everyone can get there if they didn't catch it on the, um, on the podcast here and uh, we'll have it. And I just want to say thank you to Kevin for being here and making that great offer and, and helping us understand how to be more creative and communicate along those lines. So thanks, Kevin. You're welcome. I'm glad I could uh, be you know part of your audience. Again, it's, uh, it's, it's great to, again, as we could sometimes when you start out as being innovators or uh, I should say introverts kind of as a lot of us kind of have, and you kind of end yeah. up, in a situation where you have to present yourself more, being able to understand your audience, being able to present in ways that they understand more, that fits their styles, can make you a lot more effective uh, from a communication standpoint. And that's really what I hope your audience uh, yeah. can understand. And knowledge is power. It takes away the anxiety too. So yeah, uh, it does. 
That's great. Okay. Well, thanks again, Kevin. And thanks to our viewers and our listeners. And come on over and subscribe to reinventingnerds.com. And you can also join us on Facebook and LinkedIn and the Reinventing Nerds groups as well. So thanks and have a great day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Reinventing Nerds and encourage you to apply what you learned to help you communicate better. For a free consultation with Joni to see how she can help you further, please visit ReinventingNerds.com. Until then, embrace your inner nerd and remain true to yourself while you develop your communication strategies.